0: the midweeks with Rob, Pastor Rob. um, We are going to continue through the book of Romans. We're going through Romans 9 through 11, some of the most challenging, difficult passage in the scripture, and we just want to walk through it uh, for understanding and for belief and for worship in no particular order. Understanding, getting what's going on, belief, trusting that God's word is true and worship, that we would be turning our hearts to God to praise, to humble ourselves, to be just Mere creatures in the presence of the infinite and immortal creator, so we are, are um, looking at verses nineteen through twenty four of chapter nine, which are uh, some of the most uh, difficult of the difficult and controversial of the controversial and just to remind us of the context, as I have been sharing through this uh, these podcasts, I'm highlighting three purposes that Paul is writing here. Number one, he wants to defend the faithfulness of God's word, because if we can't trust what God has said beforehand, we can't really trust the gospel message with our lives. And Paul is trying to say God's word has not failed. He's also trying to prove that um, a partial partial hardening has come upon Israel while the Gentiles come in. And then at the end of that time of the Gentiles, then Israel will be saved. That, and that he brings to his conclusion in chapter 11. And then he ends this entire section with a hymn of praise to God's wisdom, and power, and his uh, sovereign ability to, to rule things according to his own wisdom. And uh, and praises God that the fact that all things are from him, through him, and back to him. So these are my landmarks where we can kind of uh, get our bearings as we travel through this passage here. And this portion I'm about to read to you really connects with um, God sending the partial hardening over Israel while the Gentiles come in because we're trying to, Paul's trying to prove from Scripture and from reasoning that um God is able to rule over people how he wants to and if he uh, decides there'll be a partial hardening then there will be and if he decides that there'll be um, a large scale turning in faith then there will be and then he can he can bring those seasons to an end and um also this is part of the praising God um. Uh, the section. This is part of part of Paul's reasons for praising God is that God is God and He um, is able to do whatever He wills, and so that's part of our praise. God is not uh, really ultimately bound by um, human beings. Uh, it's not like we're God and he's up in heaven going, oh, I wish they would, oh, I just wish that they would, oh, man, they're really ruining my plans. He's God. And so Paul's going to press the point in kind of a a forceful way in this passage, and you'll hear it when I read it. So Romans 9, starting in verse 19, going through uh, verse 24. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, You have, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory four vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us to whom he is called. Sorry, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. What is going on here? So, Paul has just been making the point in verse 18. I'll read it for you. He says, So then, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. So, this is highlighting God's godness, that God, as he's um, dealing with people, um, and specifically, he's talking about um, Moses and uh, Pharaoh. When he was dealing with Pharaoh, he had the right to harden him and he had the right to have mercy on him. He had mercy on Moses and the entire nation of Israel at Moses' request and he did not have mercy on Pharaoh but instead hardened him. And so Paul draws the conclusion that God um, has mercy on whom he wills and he hardens whom he wills. And this um, elicits a human response, which could be paraphrased as that doesn't seem fair. And so Paul anticipates this kind of like sense of injustice, or this doesn't seem fair, or his angry response. And he says, he anticipates that people hearing him will say, why would he still find fault? Why does he still find fault for who can resist his will? And there's, so this, you, know, you hear the the answer, okay, so if God chooses who he's going to have mercy on then if he's not having mercy on someone, isn't it not their fault anymore because he chose not to have mercy on them? Um, that's a very human way of thinking. It's not a right way of thinking, but it's a very human response. And Paul probably got it all the time as he taught in his churches and places like Ephesus. And he probably got that response all the time. And so um, it's very important to see where he goes with that question um, because he could try to defend God in different ways, um, use a free will argument or something like that, but he doesn't go there. Instead, he kind of rebukes that kind of thinking and says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? So there's the question, okay, before we start calling God's justice into question, maybe we should ask ourselves if we're even worthy or capable of personal justice or Uh, cosmic justice. So who are you, old man? Do you you really rule over all the universe? And so this kind of reminds us of a Job-like conversation with God. You might remember when Job's life is just torn apart because God keeps handing him over to Satan. Um, and Satan does terrible things to him, Satan wants to meet with God and kind of accuse him. You're not running my life very well here. I've been faithful. You're not being faithful. What's going on? And when God finally shows up, he just he he doesn't say sorry. He questions him, like, who do you think you are? Did you make the universe? Do you put the stars in the sky? Do you command the snow? Did you create all the big creatures, including the large monsters? Like, let me know if you are the one who's powerful and wise enough to make the world work. And so here's this kind of humbling question. Who exactly are you? Oh man, that you think you can answer back to God? Like maybe we should test your credentials first and find out why you think that you'd be able to decide what God is doing right and wrong. And then he goes a little bit farther and he says, what is Will what is molded say to its molder have made me like this and so he 's moving into this metaphor about pottery where um, a potter would take some clay and he, he would decide you know i'm going to make a vase or a vase I'm going to make um, a pot holder an ashtray you know they, they they have this clay they have this stuff and they're deciding what to make out of it um, is it going to be tall is it going to be short how thick are the walls going to be am I going to put a handle on it am I going to glaze this thing and what color is the glaze going to be um, the potter really is in control of how the pot turns out and he says and so he's using that as a metaphor saying you know clay pots don't when you're done don't go i want it to be taller or shorter or i'm too brittle or something like that they don't um they don't answer back and especially you know in this point it's not just like pots don't talk the idea is you don't understand the purpose of the potter i think that's the main point Along with the other point that, you know, it's the potter's clay, it's the potter's wheel, it's the potter's craft, it's the potter's um, creativity, it's the potter's design, it's the potter's desire. So the potter really does have right over his clay to do what he wants with it, to make it into whatever shape he wants. And so Paul goes on from there and says, has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? And so as I understand this there, you know, if you think about it, there's different kinds of bowls I've heard someone say before for. You know, there's cereal bowls and there's toilet bowls. They kind of can both be made out of porcelain, but you don't want to drink out of both of them the same. You don't want to eat food out of both of them. And so he's saying similarly here, out of one big lump of clay, humanity, um, Israel, the Gentiles, the Jews, um, God can form um, individuals who are for his honorable purposes, and he can form individuals who are for dishonorable purposes because he's the potter. And so there's, there's this, this is how the metaphor is working. It goes on to say, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory to vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? okay so then he's taking this metaphor of um, a potter who's got a one lump and he's forming a wonderful vase that's meant to carry water for people to drink out of or maybe carry coins or who knows to be a treasure chest and he's got another vessel which is really constructed just to carry out garbage in or to you know uh, uh, uh one of those things that people used in the old days to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night in these these vases or whatever it is and that uh, then he he fills in the details of what he means. And he does it with um, a rhetorical question. And so the question is the answer. Okay, so when he says, what if God... Blah 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 blah. What what he's not saying is, yeah. What if I wonder? You know, why don't we sit down and think about it? Hmm. Those are deep thoughts. Those are really big, interesting, deep thoughts. Hmm. hmm, hmm, I'm so impressed. I'm thinking so deeply. He's asking a question in a way that is the answer. So you can take this sentence, and you can turn it into a statement where it's a question, and say something like, "God is desiring to show His wrath, and to make known His power, and He did it by enduring with patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction." In order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand. So this is a statement of what God has actually been doing. It comes out as a rhetorical question, but that's to make us think. It kind of gets behind your defenses, but instead of saying this is what God does, he asks as a question, so we go, I have to think about it. Yeah, what if that's what's going Oh, oh dear. Oh, you mean that is what's happening? Even um us whom he has called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. So Um, this is part of a portion that's going to continue on until at least uh, verse 29, but I'm going to cut it off halfway through. Um, This is one of the most challenging portions of scriptures that just emphasizes God's godness. He is a potter, and he can make vessels for his glory, to receive his mercy, to receive his mercy by faith in Christ to receive heaven, to receive adoption, to receive um, faith in the prophets, to receive the Holy Spirit. He can create these vessels, and he can create vessels um, that are for wrath because they won't come to faith, they won't come to mercy, their their hearts are hard, and um, they won't ever come. And he, he's a potter. And uh, the human pride wants to reject this and just say, no, 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 no. It can't be like this because I'm in control. Um and this is this is why it's so humbling this is why he, it's almost like he's having a fight in this passage here because he's expressing God's godness in such an elevated way that the only way to actually hear this is just through immense humility and just saying oh my goodness god is way bigger than i ever thought or knew oh my goodness oh oh mercy jesus please have mercy on me please have mercy if you're the potter and i'm just clay and uh and if you don't mold me in a certain way, I'm toast. Please have mercy. Please have mercy. Please have mercy. So it's, it's, it's really God exalting. It's really human will um, uh, diminishing. And so this kind of reminds us of an earlier verse where in verse 16 it was saying, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Yeah, that's what he's still saying. He's still saying that salvation and, um, and walking with God, walking with faith, it depends on him having mercy. Depends not on human exertion or him having mercy, and especially because God's doing this thing in the world. Now, you remember in verse 11, I'm saying one of this whole passage is trying to explain in human history that Israel or the Jews en masse in the first century were not coming to Christ. They were rejecting the gospel. Meanwhile, these Gentiles who didn't know anything anything about Moses or anything else, they have been just swarming to the cross and swarming to Christ. And so Paul is trying to say, so that you're not wise in your own eyes, I want you to understand this mystery that a partial hardening has come upon Israel while the Gentiles come in. And then he says, so that in this way, all Israel will be saved because once the time of the Gentiles is completed, the hardening of heart over Israel will also be done and they'll come in. And so Paul is saying that this is what's going on in human history. So we have hope, hope that uh, in the meanwhile, it's not a full hardening against Israel. There are still Jewish people coming in in the first century, and we can rejoice that the Gentiles who were hard-hearted against God for for centuries and, and millennia are now finally coming in en masse, and people from all over the world are coming to God through Jesus Christ. And we can have hope because there is a time coming where the hardening over of Israel, that partial hardening, will also be complete and they will come in in faith and in that way as i understand it scripture says it's going to be like a resurrection on earth it's going to when when god's people and the gentiles together are, are in faith worshiping jesus this is the big thing and and we this is just the best going to be the best thing ever now how exactly unless god is this kind of god who can prepare vessels for mercy or prepare vessels for wrath how can how can anybody say that there's a hardening coming on, or a not hardening going on? If God, then God doesn't have any influence over human hearts, He doesn't have any influence over whether people groups on mass are going to come in, or people groups not on mass are going to come in. It, it, it's just uh, they're just waiting to see. You're just sitting in heaven, waiting to see um, the great marketing scheme of the gospel has gone out through the world, and some people buy my burgers and some people don't. It's just a great marketing scheme, but but the scripture is not presenting. God and human history in this way. He's saying, on purpose, there's this thing happening where the gospel is, the the Gentiles, excuse me, are coming in in droves. Like even right now, I think there's something like 30,000 people in China every day getting saved. Why? Because God is having mercy. That's the biggest thing. We're supposed to hear this and go, the potter has created a vessel for mercy, and these people are receiving the mercy of the potter. And why, 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 in part, can this happen? Because um, the Jewish people or the Israelites, they haven't fully come in yet. So this is still the time of the Gentiles, and God is ruling over this stuff. In order to see what's going on, we really need to humble this part of us that wants to um, be infuri- infuriated with God when he starts talking about his will. Uh, working in the world. So this is how I understand it. Again, lots of people would disagree with this and God bless them. Um, As long as we can gather around the cross of Christ, I'm happy. But... This is, I think, just reading through it verse for verse, trying to understand the mind of the apostle in context and what he's trying to prove here. I think this is what he's doing. He's preparing us to be able to receive with faith this this, this promised hope that a partial hardening is happening now, uh, but a act of extreme mercy is happening over the Gentiles, and it won't last forever. So keep reading your Romans, be blessed, think it through. I'm really grateful that you're listening. It's a big blessing to me and have a great day. The Lord be with you.